The following is brought to you by the Leave It in the Ring Podcast Network. All boxing, no filter. Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. My guest on this episode is uh, one of the most forward-thinking people in the sport, uh, top-ranked executive Todd DeBuff. Um, Really excited to have him on the show and and we talked about uh, his uh, heavyweight superstar Tyson Fury and his upcoming fight on Saturday. Um, we also got into the heavyweight shakeup uh, that Andy Ruiz wrought on the division with his win over Anthony Joshua. Um, we got into the ESPN deal, um, how ESPN and ESPN Plus kind of work together, um, the shoulder programming on ESPN, the impact of the UFC on uh, ES on, on top rank on ESPN. Uh, we got into uh, his satisfaction with the ratings thus far this year. Um, went over the upcoming schedule for uh, Top Rank and uh, also the concept of a boxing league. Really hope you enjoy. Really excited to have as one of my guests, one of the most uh, forward-thinking and innovative executives in the boxing business, uh, the president of Top Rank Inc. and the brains behind Top Rank's move to ESPN, Mr. Todd DeBuff. Welcome to the Boxing Esquire podcast. Hey, how are you? Good to be here. Great, great, great. Um, just wanted to get into your your background a little bit for folks who may not uh, be as familiar um, with you as they are uh, your boss, Bob Arum. <laughs> uh, so you're originally from Las Vegas, correct? Uh, originally from Vegas. Um, left here when I was uh, when I went uh, 13 and went away uh, back east to school. Got educated mostly on the East Coast um, and uh, ended up... Uh, yeah, going to Trinity College outside Hartford in Hartford, actually dead of, in the center of Hartford, not even outside of Hartford. <laughs> um, and then uh, went to New York uh, for a couple of years and then uh, joined uh, Top Rank in August of 93. Okay, okay. Well, let's not skip over Trinity College. You uh, 59 career goals, 74 career assists, uh, 133 points for their hockey team. You still uh, in, their, in their top 10 all time in, in, in points? Uh, you know, I you you you've done more research than I have on <laughs> <laughs> my status. I, I, I that chapter of my life is so long. I, I was actually this was all new news to me, and I totally forgot about it. But uh, where do I rank? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I think last last I checked, you were number six all time. And I'll listen. I'll take it. I'll take it, man. I'm a, an old guy like myself now, I only got something to hold my hat on, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I was I was. I was a uh, big hockey player um, all my life. I played all sports, uh, you know, um, and then in college, uh, Trinity had an excellent, excellent team and uh, it was one of the places I wanted to go and it was fantastic. Great experience. Um, I don't fo- I don't really, uh, I'm not like a big, uh, you know, um, follow hockey that much now. I followed when a lot of the guys that we played with uh, were in the NHL, but we're all old now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, you you know, you went to, to high school in Massachusetts and Connecticut and went to college in Connecticut. I was wondering if you were bummed that the Bruins uh, blew Game 7 at home uh, for the Stanley Cup last night, but you, you don't really follow it that much then. 
Well, well I mean, I did. I, I actually watched a little. I saw the result. Um, all I know is it seems like in the playoffs, it used to be that home field, home was a big advantage. Looks like in both sports, if you're at home, you lose. Right. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Everybody's losing at home. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. So yeah, so you you came to top rank in '93. Um, now originally, did you you worked more in uh, the foreign right sales? Is that correct? No, I don't. I, I wouldn't even say it was like a, I was specific to anything. Um, I was really it was really specific to learning the entire business and in the whole you know basket of goods that is there. Right, you have to learn so many aspects of it. And uh, I used to spend. Uh, we had a you know um, a wonderful executive that worked for us by the name of Mike Mallets and. Um, his father and him were one of the fathers of satellite, and he actually handled the international side of it. And early on, I mean, still is, his media was always very fascinating to me. And I think you could always use the international perspective and uh, and the globalization of our sport as a great indices of how robust it is or not robust, or where you think markets are going or not going. And uh, I, you know, just kind of you know, um, started a little bit in that, in that sphere, but obviously learning, you know, um, all aspects of the business and, you know, I had to learn each piece of it. And that was just one of the primary pieces. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, just, it seems anytime I hear Bob talk about you or anyone, you know, you're, you're kind of like the go-to guy in terms of like technology and innovation and kind of bringing top rank into like the, the 21st century. Um, so, how, I mean, how have things evolved at Top Rank over time, just in, in terms of, of technology since, since since you've been there? Yeah, well, I think I mean, I think there, it's 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 um, a little bit. It's a it's a story for all of sports, right? It's a story for um, all people that are in the content business. Um, you know, being you know the ability to not stay status quo, the ability to be nimble, the ability to look and see um, what opportunities. Um, or trends that are moving towards and seeing how that can work within your business model. Um, I think I would say, you know, I think a lot of this changed drastically um, when we made more of a commitment. Uh, it started with, uh, you know, um, you know, taking over and, and doing a lot of in-arena elements uh, that we felt were needed to be to modernize our sport. People were paying top dollar and we had to give people, you know, um, a superior experience and they were getting it an NBA game or an NHL game or a UFC event or, you know, whatever it was, we had to enhance that experience. And also as, as the digital era came on, you know, we also were, you know, we were kind of snobs in, in, from boxing perspective. And we believed, Oh, you have to be, have an article in the New York times and you have to have articles in USA today. And we really didn't value, um, across the board, the power of the dot-com world. Um, and when the Yahoo's and the ESPN.com started launching, you know, we didn't take note of it. Um, and we started to have to really, you know, shift and use those those um, avenues to attract a new fan base. And we did so uh, early on. And we did partnerships with Yahoo, um, where we would show the non-televised undercards, um, on pay-per-view events, um, you know, giving driving awareness to all of our events. Um, and we tried all these different clever things, um, you know, 15 years ago when the digital era was just starting. And that really helped us, 
you know, kind of stay closer to the younger demographic and trying to stay more relevant. Yeah, you, I mean, you guys have done, you know, you, you, you've, you've gotten to the point where, you know, before the ESPN deal, you, were, you, could, you could kind of exist almost as your own uh, independent entity. You could do your own broadcasts and, and, and pay-per-views and, and so on without the, uh, without the help of the networks. Um, and, and I'm sure that was one of the things that, that you drove as well, that, that kind of production. Well, I mean, I think it, I think it was important. You know, there was a there there had to be an autonomous nature because what our interests were were not necessarily what our broadcast partners' interests were, right? right. Um, and their their wheelhouse may have been within the confines of just this this country, where our wheelhouse was in the confines of a fighter's global appeal, right? So we had a we constantly looked at it differently than just, oh, HBO or Showtime or whoever the network was at the time, who was a value partner, wanted this, this, or this. And the truth was, was well, is that, is that what we really need to do for the entire body of work for this athlete? Um, and creating their brand and helping their brand. And, and obviously, as the world got flatter and flatter, we realized, and I think, you know, I think we saw that early on in 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 92 when oscar was signed the big hispanic boom right it just kind of you know we we were kind of at the forefront of that and the power of that and the multicultural audience and you know we were you know obviously when 96 signing floyd was you know it wasn't the same audience but it was a different audience and a different appeal and we felt that we had to have an autonomous nature to us in order for those personalities and those those athletes to excel um and it wasn't we had to figure out a way that we weren't just tethered to um what the interests of the broadcasters were right 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 so now you know you're, you're the you're the president of of top rank and considered the uh the heir apparent there when uh you know maybe your stepfather bob Aram retires maybe 30 years from now um, uh, he'll, he'll never retire. So, yeah. As he said, as he said, boxing is his hobby and we don't want him to retire. So it's all good. I mean, I can't imagine him. He is, he is, he is truly, he is the Iron Man of this business. Oh, no doubt. He is incredible. I mean, it is no matter what he wants to go to every one of our fights and he's there from the first fight sitting there in his seat. He's incredible. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, let me not let me not bury the lead here. Let's talk about uh, this coming Saturday and uh, one of the the stars of of the top rank uh, roster, Tyson Fury, lineal heavyweight champion of the world, is going to be fighting Tom Schwartz uh, at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. It's going to be Tyson's debut uh, for Top Rank on uh, ESPN Plus. So, talk to me about the event on Saturday and how the promotion's been going so far. Uh, the, the promotion has just been absolutely terrific. Um, you know, you know this this new this new shift over uh, to ESPN has just given us all the assets and the and the tools to expose and give guys the platform to really shine. And with Tyson Fury, that personality is as large as anything in all of sports. I mean, I you know when people talk about. You know, he's one of the great stories in boxing. I, I say no, he's one of the great stories in sports. I mean, he's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful 
uh, storyteller. He's got a great personality. He self-deprecates. I mean, I got hooked on him when I, I mean, I always kind of had a, had a, an allure, but when I heard that Joe Rogan podcast, I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, could we, what I, what we could do. I wanted so many people to see this guy, to hear his voice, to get, let him touch you and feel you through a platform like ESPN. And, uh, this guy, he's incredible. Um, what he did yesterday at the press conference and an impromptu, grabbing the mic and taking over before anybody's there, like calling up Tom Schwartz, come on up here, Tom. It was, <laughs> it just, I mean, I've, it was like I was watching like Jimmy Kimmel show or something. It was like, what's going on? This guy's got a late night talk show. Um, you know, so he, he's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And we got a really good show. Um, you know, I mean, I think... You know, you you got Jesse Hart and Sullivan Brer in a fantastic fight, uh, real crossroads fight for both guys, and obviously Michaela, who is just really just starting to to come into her own, and you know she's a wonderful story, and she's got a real real good story between her and Al Mitchell and her family, and uh, she can fight, and she's got a, um, the appeal and the swagger, so we're really excited about the whole show. That's great. I mean. You know, the, the one thing, you know, a lot of people uh, have, you know, certainly on, on the, the, the vicious uh, boxing uh, Twitter sphere, they've, they've questioned the quality of the opponent, uh, Tom Schwartz. So how, how did uh, Top Rank decide upon him as an opponent for, for Tyson? You know, that's interesting. You know, it's, um, you know, he's, he's in, the, in the top five and two of the three organizations. Um, I think the WBO and the IBF both have him, like, two and three and five. Um, he's, um, our matchmakers were studying, uh, what was, you know, what was out there and, uh, wanted to work carefully with the fury camp about, and Tyson said, listen, I want a big, big, strong, tough guy. And I want a guy that's going to come at me and be aggressive. And, you know, that's, that's a guy bringing on a challenge, you know? Um, plus Tyson's on, what is he? Six, nine. So, I mean, I mean, Schwartz is six seven, I think. So you're dealing with really two big physical guys that are going to be in the ring. Um, and I, you know, I think it, I think the analogy, the analogous behavior of how you know people didn't give Axel Schultz much of a chance, and all of a sudden Axel Schultz came out of some nowhere. You know, you know, guys see the door opens, they take a step through it, and uh, we saw that with Andy Ruiz. Um, you know, nobody, you know, aesthetically, we all knew. You know, the the public thought that Andy Ruiz was a nothing. Um, us in the boxing industry knew that Andy had skills. He had a big heralded amateur career and had skills. So don't be fooled by what you may see. Um, and I think that kind of uh, woke everybody up to, you know, listen, I'm not going to be too judgmental on Schwarz because he has a he's an undefeated heavyweight that's fought at the highest level in Eastern Europe. Right, right, and I guess with Schwartz too, because he is such a big guy. You know, I mean, obviously the 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 big fight that's kind of leaked out, uh, that's you know supposedly a done deal, and, and it's going on uh, spring of twenty twenty would be a rematch of of Tyson versus Deontay Wilder of their the epic struggle they had in in their first fight. Um, really highly anticipated match, um, but I you know I'm presuming uh, Tyson's going to take another fight in the fall before. Before he would take a, a Wilder rematch, is that is that correct? I mean, listen, I let's worry about tonight and tomorrow. So <laughs> it's Saturday's fight, and we'll talk about the, all the future. But you know, listen, he wants the biggest challenges out there. Um, wants to stay active. 
and wants to be on the biggest platform. And that was our alliance with him and our convincing him that, hey, we wanted, we wanted to make you part of the top-ranked ESPN family and how we could you know, really maximize his awareness and his personality. So he wants to be free, fight, fight, fight frequently. We want him in the ring frequently. He wants to fight at the highest level. We want to put him in the highest level. And we want, to, we want to give him that platform to let his personality and his story come through. So it's all synced up perfectly. Right, right. Well, you know, also wanted to talk about, uh, you know, I mean, it's basically, you know, boxing palooza on uh, ESPN networks on, on the 15th because you guys are going wall to wall. Um, on uh, two different networks. I mean, it starts in the morning with uh, the twins from Australia. You've got Andrew and, and Jason Maloney, uh, recent signees of top rank, fighting in Australia. Talk to me about the Maloney twins and how they how they came onto uh, top rank's radar. Um, you know, um, we kind of have our pulse on a on a, uh, a bunch of markets all over the all over the world, and we have to have our pulse on it. And uh, People come to us with different opportunities, and we had been kind of following the Maloney kids um, a little bit. And uh, I think in the last, uh, probably about six months ago, they really hit our radar screen pretty heavy, and we wanted to see um, what was out there and see if, uh, you know, um, what they were thinking about and if they were interested in coming to America. And um, obviously within CASAS in the similar weight class. And we, we, we like those weight classes, and we also like that they have great personalities and there was good following with them down in Australia, and we worked with their team to, to work on something. And, uh, you know, that's the beauty of having, you know, the ESPN Plus product is, you know, we recognize that the sport is so global, and we recognize that there's going to be great fights coming from the U.K., Australia, Japan, you know. Um, we had Pulef you know, uh, from his home country, you know. So it's like, hey, why don't we capture these fights? Why don't we show these fights to the embedded fan base that is here in America? Because the, the sport is so global and so, and so multicultural that everybody wants to see these guys, regardless of it being in the middle of the night or the morning or wherever. Let's, let's expose them to all the fans here in the, the U.S. Right, exactly. And, and you've got, in you know, mm-hmm. uh, another fight card going on midday uh afternoon early evening frank warren's got a josh warrington and kid galahad going for the ibf featherweight title and that's also going to be on espn plus i believe uh really excellent title fight in a hot division the featherweights yeah and we're deep in that division as you know um with valdez and shakur um you know mariaga we're just deep in the division we love the division (laughs) frampton um we just we just we're, we just love the division, and we think that um, um, that that fight coming from UK paired with uh, the Fury uh, Schwartz fight is really really brings a full robust offering to everybody who is on uh, ESPN Plus. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, obviously, you know Tyson's. You know, may, you know, many people consider him maybe the number one heavyweight in the world after what happened a few weeks ago, the big upset. I definitely wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, Andy Ruiz toppling. Uh, uh, Anthony Joshua for three of the heavyweight belts. Where you know where does that leave the heavyweight landscape in your eyes? You know, I think I think the heavyweight. I mean, listen the the beauty of the heavyweight landscape right now, um, and even if even rewind it um, to before the the Anthony Joshua uh, loss to Ruiz, is you you basically had a definition of three pillars. 
um, that were there, regardless of the titles or not the titles, because we all know what happens with that, and it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. But we had three big pillars, and that's a rare moment that you get, especially in the heavyweights. Um, and there is this there is a cycle that occurs, and when you have heavyweights in pairings, the sport and the, that division rise very heavily. Um, you know, you have Joshua and Fury both from the UK and Wilder from the US. That's kind of like the perfect storm. You're not just having them all from the US. You're having global appeal. You're again, as we talk about, you're having a UK presence that has a robust media market. And you got guys that can talk smack, right? right. Um, so it all worked. It's no different than Holyfield, Lewis, and Tyson. Um, no different from Ali, Frazier, Foreman, even Norton and those days when you had, you know, when you have more than one, it really works. And uh, we think, you know, we, we're, we love the fact that you have these dynamic personalities in the most marquee, highest, highest um, division in the sport that the fans love, inherently heavyweights. People love heavyweights, and uh, regardless if they're coming from America or not, you have heavyweight matches um, that appeal to everybody. So we just think this is this is just the beginning of a great run for the sport and a great run for the division. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Andy Ruiz was promoted by uh, Top Rank, you know, for many years, and you know, Bob, I heard him on a podcast just saying, you know, the the relationship ended amicably. I mean, I've heard Top Rank was bought out by Heyman, but it's also been reported that Top Rank just released them. I mean, I'm not sure which is true, but, you know, Bob called Ruiz, you know, a great, great young man. But I wanted to get your reaction to Ruiz has made some comments. I mean, he made comments on uh, in, in Sports Illustrated. He said, uh, I don't want I, you know, he was thinking of quitting boxing. He said he didn't want to quit, but Top Rank was making his life really difficult. He bets Bob Arum is pulling his hair out right now. Uh, you know, he should have treated Andy better that? and all this. And now he's with Al Heyman. He's heavyweight champ. Why do you think Andy's, uh, you know, clapping back at, uh, at Top Rank right now? I have no idea. I, I didn't know he was. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I got no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Listen, we, we, we put a lot of money into Andy. We put a lot of development into him. There's a lot of commitment into him. I think uh, the Parker fight, we were disappointed. Uh, you know, I think he, he that was a fight for him to win. Um, and, uh, you know, all the, all the rest of the stuff is a bunch of nonsense that people like to create issues and rivalries and hate and, and start, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, People are in the right place at the right time, um, and that's how you look at it. Um, he was in the right place at the right time. If Baby Miller, you know, doesn't uh, you know get caught for or or do illegal, you know, uh, some PEDs, you know, this Andy Ruiz story never exists. Right. Um, if if uh, yeah, if Ortiz doesn't turn down the fight. This Andy Ruiz fight doesn't exist, right? Right. Um, there were a bunch of things that happened, and you can't sit there on a Monday morning and be bitter about or what happened. It's like, listen, the guy I I never liked personally. Liked, I thought it was the wrong selection for Joshua um, Ruiz. I thought it was a difficult style. I thought it was a difficult, you know. I think it was you. You have an Adonis looking guy, and with a shorter kind of softic. <laughs> Pudgy guy. Yes, absolutely. For 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 his U.S. debut, I didn't think it was you know the right play, but that's not for me to de- to determine. And uh, 
you know, he went out there and, you know, we all know that Andy could fight and he had fast hands um, and he was effective. So that's congratulations for him. Good for him. And uh, it's, it's all beneficial for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, Andy did mention the, Al, uh, Al Heyman in the PBC. And I, I just want to get your reaction to some rumors that Endeavor is possibly purchasing the PBC. Have you heard anything about that or, you know, what, what's your reaction to that? Listen, I, I, I don't know. I do not. I do not know. I've heard things. I've heard. You know, we hear rumors all the time. I hear rumors about things I'm working on that are so far off that what what I'm working on, it's hard for me to believe anything, um, because you know people report on stuff that are so untrue, and you know even when you're you're knee deep in it. Um, so whatever it is, I, I you know I know that uh, Dana and UFC have showed interest that they he's publicly said he wanted to get into boxing and that's uh, the investment that they're going to make and the partnership they're going to make. That's great. I wish them luck. Absolutely. Now did Endeavor approach the uh, top rank a few years ago as well though, right? Did they, they, were they kicking the tires on top rank as well? Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, I just would say, you know, there's always been, you know, we, we have a, I have a close relationship. I know the guys at the USC very, very well. Um, we all kind of grew up in Las Vegas together. Right. Um, so we have a long relationship with them and, you know, um, you know, Lomachenko, I hit Dana up or, or Lawrence up and ask him, I buy tickets for our fighters to go to their fights, thank him for whatever it is. I mean, so, I mean, listen, it, there's there, you know, if, if there's anything significant to be done, um, you know, we, we're both on ESPN now, right? So that's all good, um, but nothing significant, nothing, nothing at all. We're all close friends and have a very cordial relationship. Right, right. I totally forgot Lawrence Epstein. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, being a lawyer in the business, I've done some business with Lawrence, I think, when he was representing Top Rank way back in the day when I was representing Corey yeah. Spinks. He was, so. the best, he was the best man <laughs> in my uh, wedding. Wow. Yeah, we grew up together. We grew up together. So we're very close. We're all very close. That's wild. That's wild. So let me, let me, let me quote you from all the way back in 2010. You said, the biggest problem that boxing faces is that we're – Cutting off the flow of content to the consumer. If you go back in history, media rode the shoulders of boxing content. Boxing was on the cutting edge of newspapers, magazines, radio, and television, all of which brought boxing to more and more people. Now we're locked into a business model where fewer and fewer people see our best content. The, the contraction started when HBO paid large license fees to lure boxing away from free broadcast television. HBO is in the subscriber business, not the boxing business. It took a product that was in 90 million homes and put it on a much smaller platform. And the demographic was further diminished when HBO put boxing on pay-per-view platform. That took the product away from even more consumers and further marginalized the sport. Now we've lost the flow of big fights to consumers. We've lost regularly scheduled fights. We've lost our foundation for the sport. We have to loosen the grip of the current economic model and expose more people to the sport. Fast forward to August 2017. <laughs> Top Rank cuts a deal with ESPN to televise its fight. So Bob has called you the, the architect of the, uh, of the ESPN deal. Uh, initially, it was reported as a, a four-year deal with 18 fights per year. Now, initially, I, I heard reports that, uh, that there was going to be two fights a year on ABC. Did, did anything ever come of that, any, any putting fights on ABC? I mean, listen. ABC is part of 
part of the one of the ESPN slash Disney assets um, or platforms that are still available to us for the right fight at the right time in the right place. Absolutely. So they, there was never a have to be on a platform or have to be on ABC or you know an obligation. It's listen. We have, you know, the ESPN or the Disney assets that exist are so robust and so, you know, expansive and powerful um, that the partnership is making all of those available to us over the term of the agreement, which is fantastic. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, fights back on ABC. Um, I remember growing up watching fights on ABC. So I would, I'm, I'm sure you do too. So um, I, I always remember. I always remember the the ag- the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Right. The <laughs> right. The, the, the opening. Right. Wide world of sports, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The skiers going down that thing and he wrecks at the bottom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So hey, this was a it was a landmark deal. Um, talk about, you know, just uh, initially, you know, how how things led to uh, to hooking up with ESPN in 2017. I don't, I don't think there was like, let, let's be crystal clear. It wasn't just hooking up with ESPN. It was it was a bigger, bigger play. And, um, you know, like that quote, I, I, I don't even remember the quote, but it, it actually I probably want to read it again because it actually sounded pretty good <laughs> but anyway uh um it's from a hauser article it was, i'll send it to you <laughs> it, it, it was um i i think i just, you know i think we collectively had an aha moment right um and we were just like you know we got to keep this sport going and you know what what i saw was i had a um i had other sport envy and I was seeing all these other sports on platforms that were really driving interest across the country, driving the interest with companies, driving the interest globally. And we were in a we were siloed in a in a in a platform that had been very successful for us, largely HBO. But at the end of the day, you know, we were kind of marginalized to a, a premium platform, and I wanted, I want, I had envy. I had, you know, I felt, I felt like the sport that was fear. Of, we were missing out on what everybody else was getting. Right? They, you'd walk into a bar and ESPN was flipped on, and everybody was watching whatever ESPN fed to them, right. and, and it wasn't boxing. Right. And so the rise of football, the rise, the bigger rise of NBA, the rise of MLB, the rise of NHL, everything, all these properties just kept just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more robust, more engaged fans. And I, and I think we all kind of felt like, hey, we were kind of sliding down a slope of, you know, this niche, this hardcore fo- boxing fans, the Hispanic pay-per-view universe, you know, the, you know, we were just, we, we were just a little siloed into multicultural universe. We weren't that relevant. We were only putting shoulder programming on like 24-7 when we wanted you to buy for $60. We weren't having shoulder programming like round tables or we weren't having the journalists or the talk shows talking about boxing. And I think it was all about all these things came together and it's like, how do we get there? And I think the big moment 
for all of us, and, and largely, was we always timed our big pay-per-views around the sports center, six o'clock sports center, so that our weigh-in, our weigh-in on the big pay-per-views, excuse me, were timed with that slot, so we could be on sports center. And I'm like, why are we timing this around them? Why don't we just join them, <laughs> right? Um, but but I had to change the mindset. I mean, we all had to change the mindset, and we um, we were fortunate enough to have uh, CAA and EMC on their side. You know, here are you know, I preached to them, I gave them our numbers, I showed them what our ratings were and how robust it was, and said, "Listen, let's go to the marketplace. We believe there's something there, and we got to convince everybody that has always said no to to us for 20 years that maybe you can say yes. There's an opportunity here, and." We couldn't have done it without that type of support and having people with great credibility and running actual data and, and showing how we can stand up um, with the ratings and, and how robust the business really is. And I think we're just seeing the beginning of what this new partnership looks like. Right, right. Yeah, I think also it couldn't have hurt, though, that you know the, the PBC kind of leaped out there and actually gave networks kind of analytics for, you know, when, when they put like really good matchups on and high level championship fights, you know, they were doing millions of viewers. I mean, it had to open some eyes at, at the major networks like, wow, boxing can do these numbers. And obviously, you guys were doing, you know, the, probably the better numbers over at HBO as well with your Starfighters. So, uh, you know, but actually, to tell you the truth, I'll tell you the, the reality was I never used the PBC numbers. Um, and I, and if you remember, look at if you when when that quote was that quote was what 2010 you said? Yes. Yeah, so that's five years before the PBC. So something was brewing in me before then. <laughs> right, you know, I, I didn't even go, I didn't even give you the rest of the quote. You were talking about taking Pacquiao, um, what was it, Claudie, to ESPN. You're like, I don't know why we yeah, take it to ESPN. It was, it was like, it was like and, and as my distribution partner. And then remember, just, just to remind you, then remember, we then take Pacquiao and Mosley to Showtime. At that point, the, 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 my, my stupid comment was, was if I remember, is I, I said, awareness is currency, right? It's if we could get the awareness with CBS and the family, I'm not doing a lateral shift. I'm doing a, a, to get the acti- activated behavior of the CBS family involved in making our fight more aware, right? So that really was what it was. It wasn't about just sticking on, you know, in the same model. And I think that was just the frustration I had with regards to exposing our product or all of our fights on pay-per-view. Um, but honestly, a lot of it was was taking the data and our ratings that we had and looking at others on HBO in in 30 or even Showtime, but mostly on HBO in 30 million homes and putting that up against other sports on FS1, ESPN, and saying, they're in 90 million homes. Look what we're doing in 30 million homes. Right, right, right. That was the comparison I made. So, you know, if I could better or beat what UFC or a baseball game or an NBA game was doing in the 18 to 49 bucket category or in total viewers in 30 million homes or come close or break even with them or whatever it is, you match them. Imagine if you put me on the bigger platform, right? That was, that was the aspirational. 
it really wasn't about PBCs because they had a different approach to it and they were everywhere and there was a time by and they kind of spread the whole gambit around, right? They kind of spread it around a bunch of networks. And the other thing was it was really taking the entire vertical and moving the vertical to a to one partner, the entire vertical, the preseason, the regular season, the postseason, and the Super Bowls, and making that a vertical available for one media partner. And that that whole, you know, that never was the case in boxing, right? It was like, hey, you had your Tuesday night USA fights, maybe had some ESPN Friday night fights. Once you got out of that market, then you went to maybe network television. Then once you got out of that, you grew up to HBO or Showtime, then closed circuit or pay-per-view. But it was all broken up by different media partners. And um, it never was given, we never, you know, we never were changing the sport. We were just changing the platforms that were on. So we kind of made it look and feel um, more like it was a like like the NFL. So if you have or NFL is different because they're so big. But you know the NBA has an association with ESPN and Turner. That's it. You know where that property is going to be, um, and that's what we felt was important in moving the entire repositioning the entire vertical to a sports platform and a sports partnership. That I mean that's that's a that's a really great point. It, it just seems to me too like. You know, we're kind of in an in-between phase where we're trying to figure this all out, like what goes where as well. Because, you know, within ESPN, you know, they're, they're not going to want top-ranked boxing, you know, if, you know, unless they get, like you said, the vertical, like the, the very top fights. I mean, they, they don't want to just develop fighters so that HBO and, and Showtime could then, you know, take the cream of the crop. But at the same time, you know, you know there, there are different tiers of matchups. And, you know, there are like the, the, the top 10 fighters and, and the top fighters fighting. And there's also, you know, fighters kind of lower level developing fighters. And I know Steven Espinoza has been very critical saying that there's too much boxing on and that, you know, uh, other sports don't have their AAA and AA fights, you know, on, on, on the networks. They only have the major leagues. Um, so so what would, what's your response to that, that, that it's just, you know, that these networks just want tonnage and that there's too much boxing on. I, I, I don't listen. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, I've never heard that quote, and I really haven't, you know, analyzed it that much. Um, I, I don't know that's the case. Um, first of all, first of all, the sport of boxing is um, it, because of its global nature and because of its. Um, long being an Olympic sport and going back hundreds of years, it's really has um, a fan base that is everywhere, <laughs> just everywhere. Everybody, you put two guys in a ring, you don't have to explain to anybody what's going on in the ring, right? Wow. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to, I mean, I watch Australian rules football. I'm not sure if I understand it completely. I mean, right. or, you know, or, or rugby. For or me, cricket, it's cricket. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily understand it, but um, so I'm not I'm not sure about that. I, I think um, I think ideally um, I think the NFL um, has done a wonderful job by by staying to the 16 weeks and li- or 16 games a year and limiting it. Um, but I do believe that there's there's something different there, and I think that you know that. Um, these net the, the networks as we call them are our partnerships. You know, 
they like you said they're not just going to take preseason NBA games and then let some or NFL games and then let somebody else have the regular season and the postseason. It just doesn't make sense. So what we wanted to do was try to make our sport or in the content that we have look and feel and mirror what the other sports were doing successfully, right? And um, college football is a great example. Right. Um, college football has incredible fan base, localized fan base. You have, I mean, college sports in general. You have all these leagues. You have all this, all these, the, the, you have the, all the um, conferences and the ACCs and the SECs and the Big 12 and Big 10s and Pac 10s, whatever. You have everything. And there is tons of content out there, but people are local. It's localized content. Um, and what, what I realized, and we all did, was that, listen, we don't control the entire body of work for boxing in America or in the world, um, where there's only one NFL, there's only one NBA, right? There's only, there's only one NHL. UFC largely has the largest body of work for MMA. Um, but, you know, we can do, we can look at this a lot like the college sport business. And every Saturday, you know, there is a de facto home for college sports, and that's college game day. Every morning, people tune into college game day, and they cover all of the sport of, of college football, regardless of ESPN having the game or not, right? right. Um, but they are kind of the home that we're getting that great programming that's talking about the sport constantly. And we kind of use that as a model, like, hey, there's going to be other stuff out there. We'll try to get just like if it's the ACC that was on one network and now comes over or whatever. We'll try to do the best we can, but we believe that we can be the cornerstone for this big product with your network. And that was basically the shaping of it. Um, you know, we, we you know we all believe in the sport so much, and we believe that there's this big fan base that needs to to get the highest level fights, um, and consistently. So this is all part of it, and we're just in the early stages, and we we stub our toes, we do everything. We're gonna we're gonna fail at certain things, but we're gonna learn from it and keep going keep going forward. Absolutely, absolutely. No, and I mean, obviously ESPN is encouraged by what you're doing because in uh, August 2018, they uh, amended the deal and it now run, it's going to run for seven years uh, going into uh, August 2025 and, and expanded uh, the number of live events uh, to 54 with 18 uh, airing on uh, ESPN proper. Uh, 12 more primetime exclusively in ESPN Plus and, and 24 premium uh, international events. And I mean, that, that's, that's, that's 54 events. That's more than one a week. I mean, that's really a staggering amount of events. So um, I guess one of the questions that, that a lot comes up a lot on, on Twitter and, and, and kind of in the, 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 the podcast sphere is, you know, you have ESPN and you have ESPN Plus and just kind of how does it work? Like, you know, uh, with the ESPN deal, like which fights go on on ESPN and which ones go on ESPN Plus? Because you know, Top Rank's biggest stars, you got Crawford and Lomachenko. They've kind of gone back and forth between the two platforms. So, what's what's the current strategy and plan for uh, each ESPN network, uh, and, and who gets what fight? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think we I, we work with ESPN and their programming team on which which they where what they would like as well as what we think is the best, um, you know, for on that night. 
Um, we love the DTC product. Um, we think it's a great product um, that gives us flexibility to take a lot of stuff international that doesn't doesn't make us make us so date and time specific to you know, be restricted to, hey, there's a Saturday block in between, you know, right after football and right before Sports Center or something like that, right? So you have flexibility with DTC. Um, so, you know, we're learning in the process. I think we're, everybody is learning in the, in the DTC business and, and how, you know, how is, where are people going to be buying when they're not watching on television or how does the, you know, what time zone do they like to watch it in? And, you know, is, is it kind of going off at 1232 late in the morning? Should it come off at 11 uh, uh, PM Eastern time? So we're learning all about that. Um, we're trying to balance the two. We're not trying to make it, you know, I think one of the problems that, that existed a little bit, like, and as great as HBO was, was they had an after dark and they had a world championship and there was there was a there was a basically a class system right if you're on one it's the minor leagues if you're on one you're in the major leagues right and we didn't want to create that right we wanted to make it seamless between the two so it's in you know in undistinguishable that there's a minor league or major league because of the platform so we're trying to do the best we can and we're working hand in hand with ESPN and ESPN plus on those time slots and those events that will sit on those platforms. I mean, Lomachenko and Corolla was a Friday night in L.A., and it was the first anniversary of ESPN+. Plus. You know, um, Crawford and Horn was a Saturday that basically was one month into ESPN+, Plus as their big launching pad. He then comes back and peaks at 2.8 million viewers against Benavides in the fall. So it all is working. We're looking them as, as not separate platforms um, as much as, as one there, there is no class system. We don't want there to be a class system, and we want both of them to be balanced and and um, very, you know, accessible for all the fight fans, and also you know, very, uh, you know, um, you know, like I always say, there, there's a complementary nature to the two of them. They work off each other perfectly, and you're seeing like undercards on Plus, main event on ESPN, ESPN Two has the undercard, the the non televised portion. Um, on Saturday night, and then we're going to Plus. So we're using all the platforms back and forth to feed each other. And um, I think we're doing a good job, but we're working hand-in-hand with the, the programming heads at ESPN. Right. I mean, yeah, obviously they want to drive subscribers to uh, to the sport. Or, or I'm sorry, to the to the to the ESPN Plus, but at the same time, you know, the the best way to build is to you know have your best fighters fighting uh, on the on the biggest platform. So there's there's a tension until uh, ESPN Plus kind of grows out a little more. But one thing I, I, I and you you touched on it a little bit, and and one thing that really got me psyched about the top ranked deal was the shoulder programming aspect, and and, and I've heard the the quote you know your your phrase is keeping the lights on and i love that um but um but also you know like you said you know there's kind of fits and starts you know we had you know dan Raphael had the boxing beat and chris mannix and uh and mark kriegel had uh, in this corner for a little while and now they're not on you know they were on espn plus and i love that and and now they're not there and teddy had a show and 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 andre had a show and and now, you know, then obviously, you know, Max Kellerman stepped in uh, to do uh, Max unboxing. So just kind of go through just the, the evolution that, that the shoulder programming has has uh, has gone through and, and where do you want it to be? 
So I think I think um, like I said previously is this is we have like a, it's like a petri dish, right? And we're checking out what's going to work sure, and not work. Sure, absolutely. Right, right, right. And that's what we're kind of all doing. Um, um, I think one of the things that, like I said, you, like you said, you loved my line, keeping the lights on all the time. Um, we we really wanted a linear show, and to have Max Kellerman have that linear show is a big win for the sport of boxing. Um, the ESPS, we had uh, the prospect show. We've had uh, like a um, ring science show with Andre Ward. Um, this season, we, we tried a bunch. Of, we were trying a bunch of different samplings out. And I say this season, we kind of like in the, the, the end of the season will come for us comes like at the end of July. And we're going to be looking at other seasons, what we're doing. And um, we've been really fine tuning um, a lot of the live stuff and going balancing back and forth between the platforms. Um, this year, uh, coming up, which I say in the next couple months, we are going to be seeing more of what our shoulder programming strategy is going to be, where it's going to be, how it's going to be shown. Do we just do it around the fights? Do we do it constantly, you know, sh- shining the light on all of these great young talented fighters that get exposure if their camp lives um so we had the um the great heavy we had a wonderful heavyweight roundtable show the other night right where our whole espn thing talked about the heavyweight division in a very throwback a you know italian restaurant type of feel so i don't i we are now really digging in on getting some, you know, testing out some different stuff, and we've tested out a lot of stuff. And I think in the next couple of months, we're really going to see a, a really, you know, um, nice strategy. But obviously, with the cornerstone of that being Max's live show on Linear. Right, right. Yeah, unfortunately, it's at a time right now that I can't catch it because <laughs> I'm at work on Fridays at five. I wish it was a little later, but, uh, but, or, uh, you know, what I really like is, is if it got put back on like ESPN Plus. I mean, so I could like watch it. Uh, you know, I think that would be awesome if, if they, you could put the episodes on ESPN Plus, but I know that's out of your hands. So <laughs> love to have it yeah, on I, the Plus and accessible. Yeah, I think that, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's, there, there's a lot of, there's some tricky stuff between the relationships um, that the networks have with what they're, um, what can go on plus and what can't, and we're balancing all of that out. I think the intent that we're all committed to is right on. And I, like I say to you, I, listen, I'm, I just want to be like the other sports in a way. Right. I want that opportunity um, to have that light constantly on us like and constantly showing and you know i love when i hear that scott van pelt is talking boxing i mean that's just so terrific absolutely you know tony kornheiser and those guys are chatting up boxing that's where we need to be we need to be on the radio shows we need to be on these shoulder these these newsworthy shows getting back into the forefront and i think we're doing a really good job with it absolutely just a beginning Absolutely. I was also wondering just um, how much the UFC coming to ESPN, which I don't know if that was really foreseen, um, how much that has kind of impacted uh, top rank. Because I know that, I mean, it just appeared to be like certainly on ESPN Plus, like suddenly like all the programming was gone and all, all I'm seeing is UFC stuff. And I'm like, whoa, what happened to all my boxing shoulder programming, man? <laughs> you know? um, right. 
Um, and, right. And they, they so I, to... I don't. I don't have a. I, you know, that's interesting. Um, I think. I think. I think it was a smart play by ESPN. I think they did. A, a, I think it was smart in, and I think it helped. I mean, personal. Personally, I felt like we kind of helped open up their eyes to the combat sports space. So, and, right, you know, cause right. we were there a year earlier, right? So, um, I think it was really beer. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I think it was really good. I think it was really smart thinking by them. I think it was smart thinking by UFC. Um, and I think, a, I think we kind of work well together. I mean, I think last weekend we had a, uh, their fight, their prelims led into our Valdez fight. Um, I think it's a great way, um, for the audiences to feed off one another, um, the demographics. Um, so I, I just think it's, I think it's more of just uh, the you know just to show how the the robust nature of combat sports is, and I think you look at the whole fight category as a whole, it's massive, and we can coexist, and our audiences are there, and we're we're like minded because you know just like us, they want to be mainstream, and that's why they went to this platform to become even more mainstream than they are, and I think that's what our objective is too. So. You know, with all of the bandwidth, with all the ESPN networks and their DTC product, I think it gives us unlimited capabilities for both of us to grow our businesses. Absolutely. Absolutely. So have you been satisfied so far in, in, in 2019 with, uh, with, with how things have gone on, on ESPN? Um, I mean, the ratings ha- you know, are a little lower than, than they've been in previous years. I think they've kind of been averaging between you know, 500 and 800 um, are those numbers happy? Are you, are you happy with them? Are you, would you prefer to, you know, obviously be a little higher or, or is it kind of what you guys expected? Well, I mean, I think, I think the, I think the, without I mean, to have a ratings question or is open end one of this, a broad one, let's put it this way. We're very happy. We're very happy with the performance of the ratings, um, across the board. I think we've hit some big, big landmarks over the last, you know, over the last two years, we've changed the dynamic of what basic cable ratings have been and how boxing has been seen from the Pacquiao peaking at 4 million to Crawford peaking at 2.8 million to Lomachenko peaking at 2.2 million. Right. Um, but keep in mind, we're feeding different animals here. So when you say, hey, we compare, well, this year to that year, you're a little low. Well, remember, we haven't put on until this Saturday. Crawford and Lomachenko did not go onto the linear platform. So they have not been. And this Saturday, they, and including Tyson Fury, they've all been on plus. Right. So we're really not, we haven't, you know, if we wanted to go get, you know, crazy numbers and really concentrate only on the ratings and not feed all of the offerings that ESPN has, that's a different strategy. But that isn't our strategy. We're trying to balance out the platforms um, by putting the right good content and solid content on ESPN and the good premium stuff and solid stuff and, and balance between the two of them. So I, I it's hard to, to have a, a ratings conversation because we're trying to feed a bunch of different animals here. And we think that collectively we're doing a great job. And we think that the ratings have been strong and robust, and we've had wonderful nights, and we've had nights where you're up against the NCAA Final Four, but you lose right, it, right? Right, you it's definitely. Like, I mean, so it's, you're not. It's yeah, been so an education. So, t- <laughs> so it's so it's like, hey, you can't just take one and not the other. So it's all has it's all been. 
you know, a wonderful opportunity for us. Um, and, you know, like I said to you, we, this is a Petri dish. We're trying to figure out the right dynamic between, you know, using all of the assets that they have and activating their platforms. And, you know, every day I come in, I turn on the television in, in my office and I go between CNBC in the morning, then I flip over to ESPN. And I just love that I can see our, our footage and our, our content on ESPN. I think that has been the groundbreaking moment for us, that it's consistent. It's not just coming in once every six months. It's now there all the time in all of their programs and on the lower thirds upcoming pro, uh, content. And I think that is really what the narrative is, is driving awareness to the whole sport. And I think this is just the beginning. Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, in, in, in your upcoming schedule, I think, you know, you, you guys are, are definitely going to, um, you know, have the wind at your back a little bit. You've got uh, you know, a really interesting scenario set up in the lightweights um, with uh, June 28th. You've got Richard Comey and Ray Beltran, which should be a great slugfest for the IBF lightweight title. Um, July 19th, a couple weeks later, you have uh, your phenom, Tiafimo Lopez, fighting in an IBF eliminator. So the, the winners of those two fights will meet each other. And, and in August, you have Lomachenko fighting Luke Campbell for the WBC belt. So all things, you know, going top ranks way, you'll, you'll have, you know, hopefully a, a real super fight developing with uh, Tiafimo and Lomachenko probably, what, uh, early 2020? Yeah. Yeah, we 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 love the division. We think it's it's a great division. We got the we got great personalities in division. I think you know as it is with the light heavyweight division with Better Beef and Kovalev and Votsik and Sullivan Barrera and Hart and Alvarez and there's just wonderful stuff to be to be put together there in in unifications and things like that. Um, and then you also you know you're you know then you're looking at you know uh, the featherweights and you when you brushed over you went from July to June 28th, I said, oh, my God, he's forgetting about Shakur. I mean, Shakur. Oh, no, no, I, I wanted to get take, to him. <laughs> uh, see, he's, that, that, that show in Newark is going gangbuster. It's fantastic. Sure. That's great. Um, and he's a, just a really, really, really highly, highly talented kid that you know, really looked sensational when he fought on the, on the Crawford Con show in April. Um, so, I mean, listen, we really, we think that there's a lot of great programming coming up and, uh, and I, there's some gritty matches. I mean, really gritty matches. We thought, you know, and I mean, our, our month of May with Belt Sheraton, that fantastic fight and, um, and the Dogbo Navarrete doubleheader, that was just terrific, gritty programming right. and where the fight fans just love it. And, uh, we're trying to balancing everything out, and uh, I think we're just, you know, we're we are so in 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 unison with ESPN on on balancing the programming wheel out and getting the right pump uh, from their from their uh, their platforms on the on the the programming and getting the awareness out there and the you know drop ins on the on the I, I saw on the NBA game where they had on them on the along the back of it it said Fury Schwarz you know That's at the awesome. end of the Golden State on the Golden State uh, banner it was fantastic so I think this is just all part of it and we're moving we're moving strong ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to mention Shakur because uh, cause you have Shakur going uh, July 13 and Michael Conlon going uh, August 3rd. 
And uh, I know at one time, uh, Sports uh, Business Journal labeled those two as Magic and Bird, as the two young stars yeah. in the in the featherweight division on a collision course. But Bob had said recently he he, he didn't have any plans to match him. Is that I mean, is it just uh, um, you know what's what's is there been anything that's like derailed that, or is, he just feels like Stevenson's a little ahead of Conlon right now? You know, I think there's some talk in the Conlon camp of him going down in weight rather than going ah, up in weight. Ah, okay. Uh, so just, I mean, I'm giving you the skinny there. So, um, so, so I think, listen, you know, I think, you know, August 3rd, him in Belfast and a homecoming, trying to re- make uh, re- the revenge of what happened to him in the Olympics and the notorious finger. Oh, that's a finger. Great, yeah, That's a great fight. Yeah. That's just a great story. Tough fight for him. Get, he keeps big and strong and powerful and he's going to have to, he's going to have to figure out his way there. Um, um, so I think you know each of these guys, these these prospects and these young kids are developing terrifically. Um, we're trying to make them household names. We're trying to go from their home countries in Ireland or 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 Mexico or Australia, um, and uh, you know let the fans get a peek into what what the 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 allure is to them. So it's all working. Um, but each day we, we, we learn from what we do and we move forward and learn from other people and try to, you know, get the, get the fight fans more and more engaged Absolutely. and people that aren't fight fans, which is more important, right? It's the people that didn't know where boxing was. And they say, they always say, well, where the hell's, I haven't seen boxing in a while. Well, this is our job is to make it more aware to you. Right. <laughs> and by doing this, we're making it more available to you. And so that if you're walking through an airport, an ESPN is on, there's a clip of, you know, a, a great, you know, a, a Fortnite dance by, by Tiafimo <laughs> or whatever it is, uh, you know, some great little thing by, by Loma, a backflip or whatever these guys are doing, at least you get a glimpse of it. Um, before it wasn't that readily available. And now we're just hoping that it just starts to go through to the general sports fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I thought you guys, uh, you know, um, you know, all, all the talk of of you know the silos and you know, oh, everyone's just doing in house fights. I was very happy to hear uh, that top rank taking one of their better young stars, you know, Jose Ramirez, the WBC junior welterweight champ, and allowing him to fight in a unification uh, with Maurice Hooker, the WBO champ, on the zone. You know, a bit of a surprise. Uh, he's a solid attraction on ESPN. It's great to see the collaboration uh, making a really desirable fight happen. So talk about how that came about. I mean, you know, listen, we, we I, I, you know, this one's got me kind of like for a riddle. Not that, that it happened, but it's kind of the labeling that we don't do fights with other people and other people don't work with other people. And I just think that's a lot of rhetoric. Um, and I've always said that, you know, I, in the old model, it made, it, I understood why that happened, but we're all in different models. We're all in a different, different way. We, we have been trying to use and try to, we reach across the aisle. Um, if it's to use Anthony Kroller for Lomachenko or Dongo or, you know, working with Lou DiBella with Richard Comey, um, whatever the matches are, right? We're, we, we always are, you know, working with Kathy Duvin, Kovalev, you know, we've, we've made that our initiative from the beginning. And I kind of like want to get, want people to kind of take a reset and say, Hey, 
don't take the nonsense that's been given to you for the last 30 years, right? right? And and there was a there was a reason for it. There was allegiances to networks. There was a whole bunch of different stuff. This is a new time and new era, and it's a new time for the sport. And give us all a chance to prove ourselves in this world. Um, and I think just you know, let's not bring let's not put the negative first. Let's put the positive first. And the positive is, hey. Hooker and Ramirez want to fight each other. We want to give them the opportunity. Both guys want to do it. Can we work something out? If Fury and Wilder want that same opportunity and that happens, is there a way to work it out? Could it work out between Fury and Joshua? Could it work out between... I mean, all of those things, let's give it a chance now. Rather than everybody be so dismissive to saying, it doesn't happen, it won't happen, I give up on them, right? right? Give us a chance. It's a different world today. We have different players in this game, meaning that the networks and the media partners that are aligned with us. And I think we're all trying to do the best we can. I mean, look at, um, you know, Eddie Hearn ends up a match room, end up putting a PBC fighter in against Anthony Joshua. And right. oops, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Oops. Yeah. But, but he did it, right? Right. He did it, you know, and, 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 and PBC gave into, you know, give, giving Ruiz that chance. And, and uh, you know, Danny Jacobs at one point was a PBC fighter, and now then he fights Canelo. And so it just, I think there's, I think we, we have to be, and, and, and I think especially the journalists have to be more forgiving and understanding and say, okay, let's see what we can do now. And Ramirez and Hooker is all about what we can do now in a present format and not about what didn't happen 10 years ago. So let's talk about what's happening now. And that's a good unification fight. It's going to happen. And I think it's great that we could all work together and do it. Yeah, I mean, it would be, you know, I mean, obviously the World Boxing Super Series is, is going on in that division as well. And you have a tremendous fight with Regis Progre and Josh Taylor. I mean, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the winner of the World Boxing Super Series fight the winner of Ramirez Hooker on ESPN. You know, just, just saying, Todd. You know. <laughs> I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it either. I'd love it too. Right? Right? Absolutely. I would take you... I would take even the loser, right? Because I think either of those two guys, Josh Taylor or Regis Progress, or have have established themselves as as real marquee fighters, and especially at the weight class. And um, so I think you know, I think that we're in a different time, we're in a different age, and we're in a different model. And now it's on all of us that are at the table to make it work and and fill the fans and fill and get new sports fans and give them what they want. Absolutely. So I, I got one more. I think it's onus is on us. Absolutely, I got one more for you. One more for you, and because I am very hopeful, and I'm very hopeful that you know of of you showing leadership as well with this. Um, You know the the major players. You know you got Top Rank and PBC and Matchroom and Golden Boy, and there's you know a handful of other promoters um, who have you know rosters with with major fighters. I mean. You know, you say you have like other other sport envy, and I, and I look at the World Boxing Super Series, and I kind of see, man, you know, why doesn't boxing have playoffs like every other sport? I mean, every other sport gets it; they have the best competing against the best. I'm like, you know, why can't the major players get together like NFL owners did at one point in time, and Major League Baseball owners, and form some sort of association, you know, where where you know you guys lay down a set of rules for competition and and run these tournaments so that the best fight the best in in all these divisions. I mean, do you ever see that being a possibility? I mean, to me, the sport is like leaving money on the table by by not 
having a consolidated sport and having the best fighting the best because clearly you know the great fights drive great ratings and and make money for promoters and major players so do you ever see that happening so i i you know i i would say this i would say that um for for to to understand that um completely um i think there there's a couple of things you have to look at one is you have to look at um you know if you want to if you want to um establish what boxing is and if you're going to say boxing is the NFL or NBA or major league baseball i think you're misled there all right i think in america that's where i'd like to be right i'd like to be at that level but if i was really going to replicate a model i would say boxing looks more to me than it does like the world of soccer all right so when I say that is you have the Premier League in the UK, you have Liga 1 in France, you have Serie A in Italy, you have Bundesliga in Germany, you have La Liga in Spain, right? You have the Liga Mexico in Mexico, right? Right. And those those countries and those leagues, right? They don't they're not playing each other all the time. Ah, but they but do have the Champions gonna... League though. But that doesn't include everybody. Not everybody, but it doesn't include. There's still an exclusionary. You have the UEFA League. You have the Champions. League. They still do not include everyone, right? La Liga, the Liga Mexico League, isn't included in it, right? MLS isn't included anywhere, right? Right. right so, right. so I, you know, you have Concaf. You have all these other things. So, so the the sport of boxing and its global nature of it is different than just a, a sport that comes from the United States, right? We don't have the NFL in Africa, in Europe, in, you know, all over. But so you have to look at it more like how does soccer work? And um, so I think that ideally there is something that could possibly be done, but it's a lot more complicated because of the global nature to it. And I do believe that there, you know, where where soccer makes it right is the World Cup every four years, right? Where you right. have all these guys but come from the nature, and then that becomes very very much like the Olympics, but not like a com- competition. But don't you want to know if you know the the Russia the, the the top league from from Russia would beat the top team from Mexico? I don't know. I don't. I mean, why don't they play each other? Well, it's not set up that way. Or there's friendlies or whatever there. So I think you have to look at it a little differently. And and I think ideally you are right that there should be some type of system. And I think we're each day we're getting better and better and closer and closer to having seamless transactions and and easier uh, business to be done. Um, but I, I prefer looking at at boxing a lot more similarly than looking at it to the world of soccer than any other sport. Right, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I kind of look at it like college football, how you'd had like all these different conferences and all these different bowl games, but you could never figure out who was number one. And then eventually they, they came up with the BCS and, and, and they got a tournament where, you know, and, and they used independent rankings and, and so on. And I wish it was that easy because I do believe, yes, that would be right. But you you also have, you know, the whole idea of, you know, you know, if it's what ha- what's going on in France, what's going on in Germany, what, you know, their prime time opposed to our prime time opposed to their networks that's carrying it. You know, when you talked about all doing the, all this in the United States, you primarily, you know, ESPN and, and, you know, Fox to a certain extent, 
um, and CBS, they, you know, they were the ones who carried, had all the college football rights, right? And NBC had Notre Dame and they were able to do that in much easier. So, um, I, I have, I have hoped that there hopefully will be something. Um, and I think it's forward thinking and, uh, who knows how the, everything's going to play out? But I, you know, right now I think that the sport is on the right track. The heavyweights are on the right track. Um, we're we're grabbing the interest of many people across this country and across the world, and it's just a pleasure and an honor to be a part of it. It's great. Well, on that note, and yeah, and definitely, you know, uh, you're definitely one of the more forward-thinking guys, and you know, I figured I'd run that idea by you. And I really, really, really appreciate your time, Todd. And it was a, a great pleasure to talk to you. And uh, good luck on Saturday with Tyson. All right. Thank you very much. Great talking to you. All right. Bye-bye. And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It in the Ring Network. I'd like to thank Todd DeBuff for taking the time out to speak with me today. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. I'd really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And also, do not forget to check out my companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com that features quotes and background on my interview with Todd. And until next time, so long, everybody. Looking for...